On this broadcast last week, in an effort to honor and thank a veteran who protected me and so many others after a ground fire incident in the desert during the Iraq War invasion, I made a mistake in recalling the events of 12 years ago. It did not take long to hear from some brave men and women in the air crews who were also in that desert. I want to apologize. I said I was traveling in an aircraft that was hit by RPG fire. I was instead in a following aircraft. We all That's the voice of Brian Williams. He is an American journalist currently serving as chief anchor and managing editor of breaking news coverage for MSNBC. On February 4, 2015, while acting as the NBC news anchor, Williams had to apologize on national television because he lied about the accuracy of his 2003 Iraq war story. We are one of four Chinook helicopters flying north this morning, third in line. As we head toward the drop point, the Iraqi landscape looks quiet, but these soldiers have heard reports of Iraqis in civilian clothes firing on American troops. Indeed, just before we're able to make our drop, radio traffic makes clear this routine mission is running into trouble. We quickly make our drop and then turn southwest. Suddenly, without knowing why, we learn we've been ordered to land in the desert. In his originally aired 2003 story for Dateline NBC, Williams had said that only the Chinook ahead of us was almost blown out of the sky by an RPG. On the ground, we learned the Chinook ahead of us was almost blown out of the sky. That hole was made by a rocket-propelled grenade, or RPG, fired from the ground. It punched cleanly through the skin of the ship, but In a 2007 retelling, Williams did not state that his craft had been hit, but said, I looked down the tube of an RPG that had been fired at us, and it hit the chopper in front of us. But according to the military documents, the chopper that was hit was 30 minutes ahead of Williams, and hence there was no way for him to see the RPG. We were in uh, some helicopters. What we didn't know was we were north of the invasion. We Later, in a 2013 account with we David Letterman, Williams said that his chopper had been hit and landed very quickly. Uh, two of our four helicopters were hit by ground fire, including the one I was in. No kidding. Uh, RPG and, and AK-47. We landed very quickly and hard, and we put down, and we were stuck. Four birds in the So we can hear how the details and facts of his Iraq story keep changing over time. Brian Williams is a highly qualified American journalist, and as such, you would expect him, of all people, to vet all of his news stories and make sure that all the facts are a hundred percent correct but even he is not immune to falling into the chasm of lost memories and coming out with neuronal discombobulation hello podcast listeners and welcome to another episode of what's the matter a podcast about all things neuroscience i am your host regang shale today's episode is all about uh what are we talking about? Oh yes, memories. I did not uh, set out to in any way change the chronicle of what happened to us. We had been fired upon. 
All we knew was uh, we had set down. I think I correctly reported, as I did in my blog in 08, that I was on the aircraft behind the one that was hit. It was not uh, because I knew we had all come under fire. Uh, I guess I had assumed that all of the airframes uh, took some damage because we all went down. There is research out there that says intentionally recalling memories may lead us to forget other competing experiences that interfere with retrieval. In other words, the very act of remembering may be one of the major reasons why we forget. A recent study monitored recall brain activity in participants using MRI scans. First, participants were shown pictures of things or events in a laboratory. And later, they were asked to recall those exact images from memory, but this time under an MRI. This research was funded by the Medical Research Council at the Cognition and Brain Science Unit at the Research Institute in Cambridge, England. Over time, the participants were asked to retrieve a target memory from the images shown earlier, which to them became more vivid with each trial. But in reality, what the MRI scan of their brain showed was that the ancillary memories were less reactivated after each trial. What does this mean? Well, it could mean that the primary memory was being pushed below baseline expectations, supporting the idea that an active suppression of the memory was taking place as a person was trying to recall a memory. Here is another way to look at this. For example, you go on a date. You go to a nice restaurant, you both sit down, you have a good meal, the restaurant had a good ambiance. Afterwards, you both go to the movies, uh, you have a good time. After the movies, you both stop by for ice cream, and that's the end of the date, and you go home. Now, now that's a memory. You've created a memory. But when you sit down to talk to your best friend, you're not going to describe that memory in such a way. When you retell that story, details might change subconsciously. For example, you might not like certain details of the day, hence subconsciously remove them from your memory. You might think these details are minutia and hence uh, make their neuronal connections weaker. On the flip side, there might be certain details of that memory you really enjoyed and, and subconsciously you might build up those details. You didn't really mean to lie, but you've just, just created new neurons to back up that story and changed the original story while recalling it for people. When you recall that date, you're going to tell your friend that the music, oh my god, the music was fantastic. They played uh, Vivaldi in the background. The restaurant was amazing. The food was delicious. It's the best lobster you've ever had. The movie, who cares about the movie? It sucked anyways. But the walk to the ice cream store, now that was romantic. You had so much in common because you both had two scoops of vanilla ice cream. So what's happening here? What's happening is that each time you recall that memory, you are inadvertently changing it. You're adding extra neurons in, or you're skewing the kinks in the neurons. 
and now that memory is not the same as it was before. So the very act of you remembering that particular memory makes that memory different. And ironically, the more you are remembering, the more you are forgetting. And nowhere is this clearer than Brian Williams's recounting of his ever-changing Iraq war story. I would not have chosen to make this mistake. I don't know what screw-up in my mind uh, caused me to conflate one aircraft from the other. really only has less than 30 seconds memory and sometimes it's as little as perhaps seven seconds. Meet Clive Waring. Clive is a British musicologist, conductor, tenor and keyboardist. Clive used to work for the BBC and the BBC Radio 3. This is London Calling. He was also responsible for the royal wedding between Prince Charles and Diana. Of course, I mean in charge of the music, not the actual wedding itself. Undoubtedly, Clive has an impressive resume. Guess what you think they're up to? No, I couldn't guess. I don't know what their levels were. They hadn't got their level last time I was conscious. Mm. So I didn't know what possible thing they could do, did they? Mm. No, I couldn't could possibly guess. What's... Where do you think they are? No idea. I don't know where I am. Yeah. Well, Anthony is the oldest. What do you think he's doing? No idea. He hasn't got O-levels last time I was yeah. conscious. I don't know well, what he's, he's good at. He's got, he's got a PhD. But unfortunately, Mr. Clive Waring has developed a very interesting case of total amnesia. You see, in March of 1985, Clive was infected with the herpes simplex virus. It's a bomb. Duck and cover. Duck and cover. which attacked his central nervous system and damaged his hippocampus, the area inside of the brain which is involved with the delicate task of transferring short-term memory into long-term memory. So because of this pathology, Clive is unable to form new memories. His memories only last between 7 and 30 seconds. Clive can't do what most of us take for granted. Most of us transfer the present into the past and build up on the conversation we have with others. Understanding a question, processing the information, recalling the question, pick out relevant information from the conversation and our memory, and using points to answer the question finally. For Clive, by the time you finished asking the question, he has already forgotten what the question was about. So every 30 seconds or so, Clive's consciousness resets. And when he wakes up, he doesn't remember anything that had happened in the past. 
So in essence, Clive says he's waking up for the first time. I've never seen anyone at all. I don't. I never heard a word until now. I've never had a dream, even day and night the same. Blank. Precisely like death. No thoughts at all. Brain has been inactive and day and night exactly the same. No dreams even. Clive Waring constantly resets his entire consciousness. In a diary provided by his caretakers and physicians, Clive was encouraged to write down his thoughts. Page after page is filled with entries and timetables that read 8.31 a.m. Now I am really completely awake. 9.06 a.m. Now I am perfectly, overwhelmingly awake. 9.34 a.m. Now I am supertively, actually awake. 9.40 a.m. I am awake for the first time. Do you know who I'm going to see tomorrow? Your sister, Adele. Do, no. you, know, do you know why I'm going? No. no. She's having a party at her house tomorrow. It's her birthday, isn't it? No. no. Do you why know why you? her daughter's having a party? No. Oh, I see. She just got married in... Do you know what country she just got married in? No, yeah. In New Zealand. Oh, I see. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to see... Your sister, Adele, her daughter's got married recently uh, oh, in New Zealand. Uh-huh. And so they're having a party. Yeah. Do, you know, do you know why I'm going? No, I do don't you, know. You don't know? Mm. Adele. Oh, I see. Do you know why? No. It's to do with her daughter. Oh, I see. She's just got married. Oh, I see. Your sister, Adele, her daughter's got married recently uh, oh, I see. in New Zealand. Uh-huh. She's just got married. Oh, I see. He just got married. He just got married. He just got married. To make matters worse, the herpes simplex virus has also destroyed parts of Clive's brain that are responsible for his past memories, which are his retrograde memories, hence causing retrograde amnesia. Clive has a horrible time remembering any of his past relatives and his current relatives. I've never seen anyone at all. I don't. I never heard a word until now. Although Clive doesn't remember ever going to music school or ever learning how to play the piano or how to conduct music, he still can, and does it quite well in fact. This is because of something called procedural memory. Procedural memory is a type of implicit or unconscious memory, which aids in the performance of particular types of tasks without you actually being consciously aware of how to do that task. For example, if you learned how to ride a bike when you were a child, chances are even 20 years later, you can still ride a bike. Or maybe driving a car or cutting a piece of bread. But more on this on our next podcast sometime. It has been devastatingly sad to watch how frustrating it is for Clive, who is the man I love, to suffer so horribly. I do not know of a more horrific state to be in than to have no knowledge of the whole of your life, no knowledge of any events that have ever happened to you, and no idea 
of anything except now. The amygdala, which is the region of the brain responsible for emotion, was spared by the virus. So memories that have a very strong connection with emotion might still be preserved. So as a bittersweet reward, the only person Clive undoubtedly remembers and will never forget is his first love, his wife. He has no past that he knows about and he has no specific idea of the future. All he has is void behind him. Must be like death. I've never seen a human being before. Never had a dream or a thought. The brain has been totally inactive. Day and night the same. No thoughts at all. As far as I'm concerned, the doctors have been totally incompetent. I've never seen a doctor the whole time. <gasps> oh, look who's come! Oh, <laughs> Mm. <laughs> That's a very musical kiss. I'm dizzy. I don't know which part of the room I'm standing in. Can we dance? I think so. Right. Unforgettable. That's what you are. Unforgettable. Though near or far. I want to thank you all for listening to our podcast today. I'd also like to thank Ben Sounds for providing the royalty-free music. Also, freesound.org, where I get all the snippets to make this podcast a little more fun and enjoyable. The classical music you heard was, of course, The Four Seasons by Vivaldi, performed by John Harrison with the Wichita State University Chamber Players. The music you are listening to currently is called Unforgettable by Nat King Cole. And finally, fellow listeners, please don't forget to subscribe to our podcast at iTunes or wherever you get your podcast from. Also, make sure to rate and review us. It really helps spread the word about this podcast. And finally, join us for our next podcast. I'll load it up as soon as possible. I'd say don't forget, but, well, you know. Unforgettable thinks that I am unforgettable too